Hi, and welcome to Security Explained. I'm Chris Grayson. I'm Drew Porter. And I'm Logan Lamb. We're coming to you every two weeks with tips and tricks on how to protect yourself and your loved ones out there on the internet and in real life. It's a question we get pretty often. How can I be more secure? Well, that's a tough question, we typically say. There's so many things that could go wrong. But after sitting down and chatting about it, we've put together a list of our top recommendations that can meaningfully benefit your personal security with only a modicum of investment of your time and in some cases, money. Join us as we go through our best practical recommendations on how you can keep yourself secure. All right, so I think I'm going to start off with something that we actually started this podcast with, uh, our first episode on passwords. Uh, and it's something that we spent a lot of time talking about there. And this is the topic of password managers. Um, so honestly, I mean, I mean, guys, how many times have your accounts been affected by password compromise? Quite a few times. Yeah. 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 There's more times than I care to admit, right? Yep. But it doesn't matter because we use password managers. Yep. Yep. And I still have, like, I still have, I remember... Um, there was this whole so there was this website I think it was called like LeakedIn and it was a place that you could search for somebody's email address and they would tell you if they had any passwords for it and then you could pay to get access to those passwords and the idea was that um, the thinking was that so whoever was behind it was purchasing database dumps on the on the deep internet or dark web and then was turning this into a service where uh, you could buy compromised passwords of individual email addresses. And then this service got shut. The service disappeared. And a few days later, this massive database dump of usernames and passwords showed up. And so there was speculation that like they were related. And it was like, mm. I think it was like 1.4 billion credentials. I still have a copy of it. And like, I, I saw my own email address in there multiple times. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, so password-based compromise really is... Like, like, passwords are, are a weak form of authentication. We're humans. We have limited memory. We have limited recollection. And so we, we make a bunch of shortcuts to make things easier to remember. We have like our dog's name in there, the year that we were born, the number one at the end, all these different things when it's a password that you have to remember. Uh, but a password manager obviates all of these problems. Basically, a password manager, you can think of it as effectively a vault that you can just take one really long, good password to open, and then it contains your passwords for everything else. It also can generate passwords for everything else. So when you go to, for, for instance, I, I use LastPass. When I go to sign up for a new website, uh, I can have LastPass generate a password for me. And this password will be like 64 characters long, use uppercase and lowercase and special characters and all that stuff. And so it generates it. And then when I sign up, it saves it in the vault. So the next time that I visit this website, if I'm not already authenticated, it says, hey, we'll fill this out for you. And it fills it out with those credentials. And then for me, the only thing I have to do now is remember my password to actually open the vault, which I guess to be fair, if you forget your password manager password, it's... Uh, that's not great. It's going to be a bad day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but for me like like one of the one of the one of the best things you can do for to have a nice long password uh, that is easy to remember is just think of like a sentence. Come up with a sentence and uh, have it have a bunch of words in it. The more the better and then it's easy to remember. 
can be a pain to type out, but you only have to type it out like once a day. And once you do, you have access to all the rest of your passwords. And now, if one of your passwords gets compromised, it's pretty much guaranteed to not be reused anywhere else. Um, so I know I use LastPass. Uh, do y'all have any recommendations for password managers that you use? Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a big Bitwarden fan. It's what I like about Bitwarden is you're able to self-host it. That's not really applicable to a lot of our our listeners, I don't think. And having said that, I don't self-host it myself, but it's pretty cheap. Um, it works well, and you can self-host it if you choose. So I'm the cheapest option, I think. Uh, <laughs> I use <laughs> I use KeePass. It's free. You uh, you host it, I guess, on your own computer. You install it on your own computer. Uh, and uh, I am a big fan of that. I also use LastPass as well. Um, but yeah, KeePass is like my default go-to. And I've had great success with it. Uh, it. It is easy enough to use. There's a small learning curve with it. Very, very small. But it's easy enough to use to where uh, I have gotten my... Uh, mother did actually start using like key pass and stuff like that. So, uh, and my, my mom, she would admit that she is not the most technical person in the world. So if she can use it, uh, I know, I know other users can use it. And it's one of the pieces of software I've, I've had her, you know, start using. So she doesn't keep on using her same password, which is, which, which was a terrible guy. I think we should really emphasize we're, we're doing this at the top of the show because if you take nothing else from the episode, yeah. it's, it's use a password manager. It's, it's so easy and the bang for your buck. Yeah. It's remarkable. Totally. And that's the, uh, to, to Drew's point of like this, this is, I don't know if we have like, I don't know how officially adopted it is across like the security professional world, but I think the mom sniff test is one of the best ways to assess how good something is for like personal security. Because if you can get your parents using it and they can use it successfully, that means that it's going, it, it is it is much easier to use than a lot of the security products out there. So this is totally a valid way to evaluate how good a security tool is. Oh, Chris, you may not know this. Every year for small businesses, actually, that I uh, that we work with, I actually publish a list of software tools for them to use. Um, and it is for on, on related to security. And it is purely based off the fact of if my mother-in-law or if my mother could use that tool. <laughs> and I have them I test it. it out. So I have the they have laptops that I that I got them. And, you know, I'll be like, hey, uh, I'm going to install this piece of software on it and they'll, they'll start using it. Right. Uh, whether it be data backups, um, uh, we'll talk about, you know, communication security with text messaging and stuff like that later on. I have them on that, uh, you know, what we're going to recommend, uh, browser extensions and plugins, antivirus, like all these lists of tools, VPNs. And if they can use it with ease, with minimal instruction, that's the main point. I can't tell them how to use it. Like I'll install it and tell them what it's used for and that will be it. They have to figure out everything else on their own. And if they can do that, then it goes on this list. And whenever I get a small business who can't, you know, uh, hire us or, or doesn't have the funds to, to work with a um, boutique security consultancy, 
I just say, oh, you're a single person business. Oh, you have two people in your in your company. You know, you're you're a few years old. In Here's your the company. mom list. Here's yeah, the Drew, you should make Here's moms the list. List. com. Yeah, <laughs> mom, mom sack. <laughs> that, that, that might be a different site. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for security purposes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I haven't really published it like out in the public, but maybe that's maybe maybe that's what should start being done. Maybe right? like, maybe when we do our securing your small business uh, episode, which yeah. has been in the in the works for a bit. Oh, I think we actually talk about it in that one. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so password managers to wrap it up. The this will protect you against password based compromise, and despite the fact that password based compromise has been around as long as passwords have, it is still. One of the main ways you're going to get popped. Uh, and so password managers are a great tool to help protect against that. And again, to emphasize what what Logan was saying, we have these in descending order just because we know attention wanes as time goes on. So password managers is at the front uh, for, for a reason. And it's followed by something that goes really well with password managers, and that is multi-factor authentication. Um, and multi-factor authentication is something that you have probably used already. Like if you have ever signed into an account and then it says, hey, we sent you a text message, enter the code in the text message to get in. That is multi-factor authentication. Um, it's not the best form of multi-factor authentication, but the general notion of you have to have multiple factors, right? So I, I went to the website, I entered in my username and password, and then I was prompted for something else, whether it's going to be sending me a text message, sending me a push notification, something like that. I have to have multiple factors to actually gain access to my account. Uh, that is that is the premise of multi-factor authentication, and it goes really well with password managers. Uh, what do you all have to say about, about MFA? Do you have ones that you recommend? Um, I think my biggest recommendation is just anything is better than nothing. Mm. Oh, we segued from passwords to... MFA because passwords will be compromised, period. It's just like an inevitability. So given that, um, yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of hardware tokens because uh, as people, we're pretty good at not losing our wallets or keys. And, it, and it's, they're very <laughs> simple to Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um yeah, with a hardware token, um, you sign in to whatever service or app, and you can plug it into your computer and tap it to log in. Or uh, for cell phones, there are wireless MFA tokens as well. So that's my general go-to. I use a YubiKey. Yeah, I also use a YubiKey. Um, but then there's also software, um, multi-factor authentication, that I like using. And this one, I like using Duo. And Duo, I, I like for a few reasons. One, I like that I can centrally manage it so that if I lose my mobile device, I don't lose everything. Uh, where other systems, that may not always be the case. So uh, I really like that. It does cost, if you want that functionality, it does cost uh, a few dollars a month for that. Uh, but it's definitely well worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that to to give folks that haven't used this software an I- idea of what uh, what happens here is so I, I have an app on my phone. It's the Duo app, and then I would try signing into my computer or a website or a VPN or something, and uh, and then I would say, okay, cool, you're signed in, but we're going to send a push notification to your phone. 
and and duo the the technology sends a push notification to my phone i get something that pops up in the duo app and then i have to press a button to accept it and then i'm logged in and you know that sounds really similar to just getting a text message right but the thing is the mechanism through which you get a text message can be directly attacked uh, there's something called a SIM swapping attack. It's basically it ba- basically people can social engineer their way into getting access to your text messages um, just by tricking somebody that works at Verizon or T-Mobile or something to reassign your number to their phone. So they can intercept text messages and get that second factor of authentication if it's only text based. Whereas the Duo application is not is not vulnerable in that way. Like you can't SIM swap the Duo Duo application. So it's 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 not exactly the same. Um, and generally speaking, text message as a second factor of authentication is discouraged by a lot of folks in industry because it is susceptible to that attack. And and social engineering via swim, uh, SIM swapping is not the only method that they can reroute your calls. There are other tools out there that can be leveraged so that you could reroute text messages to other numbers. So it sounds like you know not, something about yeah. that. Drew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These tools may have I, been written by Drew. <laughs> I, 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 I may have experience uh, or, or deep knowledge about such tools, uh, but yeah, there, there are actually services out there that are being abused right now that are using similar methods, uh, and these these services are actually marketing tools. Um, and you can abuse oh, yeah. that. So, so, I heard about this. So you, yeah. you don't have to, uh, you know, manipulate the cellular network itself through SS7 or through SIGTRAN, uh, which is the route that, like, if I was going to do something, I would take because I'm very familiar with abusing cellular networks through those methods. But someone who is less <laughs> technical uh, doesn't even need to know, like, how to do that. All they need to know is what marketing companies to hire, and they will reroute text messages for you. Ugh. Yay, ad tech. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but the just generally speaking, though, multi-factor authentication really does make a difference. And, and I have had cases where a credential of mine has been compromised. And then I get an email that says, hey, we saw a sign-in attempt on your account from this location. Was this you? And the answer is no. And so somebody actually had the credentials. They tried logging into an account of mine, but because that service had this additional check to say like, oop, we haven't seen this before. We're going to try like for a second form of authentication. And then whoever was trying to log into my account did not have that second form. They were not able to gain access. It really does make a huge difference. Like I've, I've been on penetration test contracts before where I gain access to like all the passwords and then I find out that they're using Duo. That's just like, ugh. Well, guess that's not the way that I'm going to get in. Oh, <clears throat> so Chris, to that point, um, if you are using a service like Duo and you get um, a bunch of Duo messages pushed to your phone, <laughs> don't accept. Fire, don't click them. <laughs> yeah, because I've also seen that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's how we get around Duo ourselves. It's literally, right? yeah, you just just what <laughs> I have done that push, as well. Push, push. Yep, yeah, and they eventually <laughs> just hit accept. Yes, so there's the human element to that, but <laughs> irrespective of that. <laughs> Password manager plus multi-factor authentication, if you take nothing else from this show, if you just start doing this on the services that you really care about, you are going to be in such a better place 
with just mm-hmm. those two steps. And those are both free. There's free password managers. There's free mm-hmm. multi-factor authentication. And it's not much of a cost. Anytime that we're talking about good security controls, we are one of the analyses that we do is what's the cost in terms of additional overhead to do whatever you're trying to do? And what's the benefit? That anything that maximizes benefit and minimizes cost is going to be something that we strongly recommend. And both of these are up in that quadrant of, yeah, it's a little bit more painful to do things. You got to click a button on your phone or you have to enter in your password into your password manager and have it fill everything out for you. But aside from that, the benefit just absolutely outweighs the cost. A hundred to one, if not better. Yeah, and, it, and it's a lot better than having to go through your bank and, you know, c- cancel your cards, wait for new cards to get in because you had an account that was compromised that your yep. cards were tied to. Yep. Right? There, there's a lot of stuff. This this little bit of time, these literally the, the 15 seconds extra it's going to take for you to do things is going to be a lot better than having to go through the process of, okay, my account was compromised. I see a whole bunch of like unauthorized purchases. And you may not know this, but if you're unauthorized, if you notice your unauthorized purchases too late, your bank will not re uh, will, will not reimburse you for them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it is like a time thing. So if you're not always keeping track of everything coming out of your account, yeah, adding you that be. 15 seconds mm-hmm. is going to save you a lot of time and hassle and could save you more money even um, you know, even if you're going with some of these paid options, right? Mm-hmm. There's free, there's free options for everything, right? Key pass for password managers, Google Authenticator for multi-factor authentication, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So uh, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to spend money uh, on any of these items, but it mm-hmm. will definitely save you a lot of time and headache down the road. Yeah. So in the theme of account compromise and protecting against account compromise. We talked about password managers and multi-factor authentication. That's going to make it much harder to compromise an account. But let's add another angle there. Uh, So there's a service called Have I Been Pwned? And whenever you hear pwned, it's spelled P as in person, W-N-E-D. So like the word owned, but starting with a P. So have I been pwned? Uh, That's one service. And I think, is that run by Troy Hunt? Is that the... It, it used to be. I don't know if he's still running it. Yeah, got you. And then now there's also Firefox Monitor, uh, which which does roughly the same thing. Um, but these services... So, so we, we talked a little bit about the leaked in database, which is where there is some black hat that uh, was basically buying up stolen databases on the, on the dark web and then wrapping a service around them for purchasing passwords for individual email addresses. Um, well, these are kind of the, the these are kind of the benevolent side of that same equation. Uh, I don't have the specific details on how they work, but my understanding is that they gain access to the data from these compromised databases, and then you can sign up. You can say, "Here's my email address," or "Here's my phone number," or whatever, and then you will receive a notification when your information is part of one of these compromises. Um, have you all ever used one of these services? So. Uh... As you were saying this, I checked out Firefox Monitor for the first time. And on one of my primary emails, it's been compromised in five different breaches. <laughs> and on Have I Been Pwned, it's been compromised in six. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's easy. It's fa- it's quick to do. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, I, I definitely use uh, these because it's, it's good to know. And if you use some password managers like KeePass and your account was compromised uh, in a large like uh, type of dump, uh, KeePass will let you know. Um, oh, but that's cool. But um, they don't they don't know if your account's been compromised on like a smaller breach. So these mm. services actually pick those up where something like uh, if you see that feature in, in some of these tools, they may not be able to keep uh, up with all those smaller breaches. Uh, but Firefox Monitor, definitely big fan. Uh, have I been pwned? Definitely have used that before as well. So uh, I recommend it heavily. And one of the other added benefits that I know that at least Have I Been Pwned uh, gives you is you can actually sign up as a business. And I know that's one of the things that we were using at one of the one of the last companies that I worked for is you can basically say, hey, when any email addresses underneath this domain show up in a database breach, let us know. And so it's not even it's something that's not even just for your individual account, but even like if you run a small business or you run a medium-sized business, you can now sign up for this and you will know when because, you know, look, employees are going to sign up for services using their corporate account. Guaranteed to happen. It's going to happen. They're going to have credentials associated with them. They could get compromised and they might be reusing that password if they're not using the same password manager. So not only is this something that will benefit you as an individual to use, but it's also something that you should include in your arsenal of kind of defensive tools uh, if you are associated with uh, with a business that you're trying to protect. Yeah, so then... Outside of that, talking uh, about, you know, going going on the route of the more personal security on the next thing on the list that we have is browsers and browser plugins, Ooh. right? This, I think, is an area that will greatly improve everyone's security just passively, where other methods seem to be a little bit more active. This one improves your security by just being used and you don't have to do anything to use it. And uh, what I'm talking about here is, is mostly the browser plugins. So a browser plugin, uh, we can each give our recommendations. But if I had to recommend one browser plugin for people to use, it would be uh, uBlock Origin. Mm. And uBlock Origin. That's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, that's why I went first. So I'd make sure I got my <laughs> name on. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah uBlock Origin is great. Um not only will you be able to watch YouTube videos without getting spammed with a billion ads uh, on it, but uh, a lot of uh, these attacks that are happening to common users are happening through uh, flaws in advertisements on websites. Ah, right? ad tech. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Yay. <laughs> it, uh, it, it's always them, man. It really uh, is. Like if you, if you look at <laughs> If you look at some of the most detestable things that happen in modern technology, most of them can be tracked back to advertising technology. Yeah, and and, and with this, uBlock will block those type of items. There, there are uh, definitely attacks that are out there that uBlock will block. And, and not only will it make your website experience like and web usage experience better, just because you won't get indicted with as many ads. And, and you'll start noticing like, wow, this site looks a lot different. And it's like, yeah, because it took away all the ads. Yep. Like, this is how the site should yep. look. Yep. There, there are sites that actually, that it's so funny, they're, especially with like news sites. Like um, 80% of the screen realty is 
is yeah. ads. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And then like you go to these news sites with uBlock Origin on and the sites look like nothing. They're like, oh, something's incomplete. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Everything else was just ads. Like it looked like other articles, but it wasn't. Right. All all these items. Um, but it, it will protect you against type of ads that are leveraging vulnerabilities. Um, that maybe the, the the site that is hosting them don't doesn't know that, you know, what they're doing is providing a an area of attack for these uh, malicious uh, advertisers. But you, you now don't have to worry about it. And the best thing about it is you install it once and it runs automatically in the background. Mm-hmm. You never have to do anything else with it. Yeah. I guess I'll go next on browser extensions. Um, hey, you, you took the really good pick. All of, the rest of my plugins are based around uh, privacy concerns. Uh, I'm looking at what I have installed right now, and I have decentralize, don't track me, Google, HTTPS everywhere. That that was used to be a critical to use, mm-hmm. but the internet is moving more and more towards HTTPS first. And the long and short of that is. You install the plugin, and when you use HTTPS, that prevents attackers from sniffing the traffic between you and whoever you're intending to talk to. Um, yeah, Privacy Badger, that's another one. EFF has a lot of good plugins for download. Yeah, I was I was going to say Privacy Badger was mine, but since that's now been stolen, I'm going to go back. Oh, I just took them all. <laughs> just like, yeah, you gave like a bunch... Uh, I'm going to go back to Password Manager. So I have LastPass as my as my browser plugin. And so just as a little bit more of how these integrate, like basically when I go to a website now, because it's in the browser, um, if I'm not logged in, it senses like, oh, you're on this website. I have a credential for this website. I'll go ahead and pre-fill the uh, username and password uh, text boxes. And so I just click a single button to log in. Painless. It's in the browser. It's good. Um, and so that like there's there's a bunch of stuff that you can install in your browser that is going to make it safer for you to browse the internet. But I want to also address the flip side of this because I think like the, there's like this stereotype kind of like meme thing years ago, which was like, Oh, I'm going to go try to like fix my mom's laptop. And, and then it's like a picture and, and there's like 25 browser bars uh, of all just like the the cr- the crapware that was installed, right? And it's all this yeah. stuff in the browser. Um, so here's the thing: is like you have a computer, your computer has all sorts of different pieces of software on it. You can play games on it. You can like edit our podcast on it. You can write software on it. You can do all these different things, but the majority of things that you do are usually in a browser. Right. So we're actually moving towards this like like your your core operating system, whether that's Windows or OS X or Ubuntu or and whatever these things are, there's that. And and it might be that you have to like edit videos or edit audio or play video games or something like that. And that usually happens outside the browser, but more and more, your operating system should really be thought of as the browser that you're using because that's where you're doing the most in. And it turns out that like because what a browser is, is effectively, I'm going to allow some random third party to execute code on my computer. 
repeatedly. It's so crazy. Yeah, right? Like, like, it's literally, it's like an operating system where you're just letting arbitrary people on the internet program the code that runs on your computer. It's really hard to get browsers safe. Um, and if you have access to the data going through a browser, it's really, really sensitive. So, so the, the two things that I want to kind of point out here are you should be very selective with which browser you use. Um, I wouldn't recommend using Google Chrome just because like we, we probably know what they're doing with that is like that's part of their whole ad tech environment of scraping what you're doing and monitoring what you're doing the same way they do it on Android, all these different things. It all feeds into their advertising technology. Um, I personally use Firefox. I also don't think I would recommend using Brave. Um, I, I love what they're doing. So for, for the uninitiated, Brave is um, a browser that is made specifically to be uh, private um, and, and like secure and all this. And the thing is, the teams that make like Chrome and Safari and Microsoft Edge, they're like thousands of people large. It's really hard to make a browser that is secure. And Brave has repeatedly demonstrated that they cannot actually do it. So I love... I love what they're doing. I love the idea, uh, but the execution right now does not match the um, the intent. Uh, so I would say you want to pick a browser that is a not built to track you. So that kind of eliminates Google Chrome. I don't really know what to say about the Microsoft browsers um, or Safari. I do know that Firefox is not an ad tech company, so I use Firefox. And then, and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there. What do you guys have to say about that? With, with the angle that I just took on browsers? Um, I agree. For personal use, I do use Chrome for all of my Google services just so I have first-party support. So if I'm using a G Suite product, um, that is in Chrome. Everything else is in Firefox for me. Yeah, I use Firefox as like my main browser. Drew actually uses Internet Explorer 6. Oh, uh, what a boss. Actually, uh, Fire- Firefox 2 is what I use. Uh, I only use DoD supported browsers. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> um, and uh, no, I, I use Firefox uh, and a huge fan of, of Firefox browser. Uh, I use Chrome very rarely. In fact, the only times I can think that I use Chrome is when we're recording this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and then, true. uh, I'll also use Chrome in some tests uh, that we do if we're doing penetration tests and we have a web component to it. Uh, I'll use Chrome, uh, very sparingly. Uh, and that's because Burp Suite now has its own built-in browser. It's had that for a while. So, oh yeah, don't, don't need to use Chrome anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, and the reason why I use Chrome for testing uh, is because I have all my browser plugins on Firefox and my Chrome installation does not have plugins into it, so I can use it for testing. Uh, but um, Firefox is, is, is what I would always recommend. Other browsers that are designed to be like privacy-based or uh, around security, um, I mean, we already have the best browser to do that. It's called Firefox. Uh, mm-hmm. But things like Brave, th- things like other... Uh, privacy-based browsers. I like that idea as well, like Chris was saying. Uh, you got to be careful because some of those will actually uh, slurp up your data in the background. All browsers can do this, by the way. It's not just these. Um, I just find it funny when I see privacy-based browsers that do this. Uh, so you want to be extra careful with them. 
as well as what Chris was hitting on, um, if there is some type of, you know, exploit that abuses the browser itself, uh, the smaller browsers usually don't have the manpower to turn out a patch extremely quickly, where um, a, a browser like Firefox, uh, the Mozilla team is great. They hire tons of really, really smart people. I know the smartest person I know works at Mozilla. Like literally, if I had to say there's a one, the like the smartest person I've ever known, period, he works for Mozilla. Um, and That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, clearly, I'm not the smartest person you know. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, wow, Chris. salt in the wound. <laughs> Don't know if you make top 10. Uh, no. <laughs> and we're going to wrap there. Thanks, everybody, for joining. This will be our last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drew can't join us for any other podcast. We're sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> no, Chris, you're super smart. Um, I don't need to be coddled now. I, uh, just, keep, I, just move on with the point, Drew. <laughs> um, uh, but but they they do hire you know extremely talented engineers, and they are uh, focused on making your browser not a weapon against you, right? And I don't know if Google is necessarily focused on on that, right? Google is focused on a few other items and hard privacy or, or 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 really making a push um to privacy is is i don't i don't believe is one of their core not, not in their business items. formula yeah right not, not security is but remember security and privacy are two separate things yeah right they, they want right. to secure the channel where they take all your private data uh but they don't want to get rid of your <laughs> private data <laughs> yeah exactly all right, so, so that was that was the one side of this i wanted to say is like you got to be careful with what browser you're picking and i think we're kind of in in yeah, you know, we we agree here that Firefox is your best bet. But the other part is browser extensions, right? Like we talked about these good browser extensions, and browser extensions are really powerful, right? Like so, so if you think about your browser in the same model, like oh, this is effectively my operating system. A browser extension can do anything it wants, uh, depending on the permissions that you give it, and and in a lot of cases, that's that's everything. So for instance, with LastPass, it's able to look at the page that I'm on. Find any text fields that are like, oh, this is the password, and then fill them out. That same capability means that it can look at the whole content of my page, right? So in this day and age, if you install the wrong browser extensions, if you install the wrong browser extensions, that will have access to everything in your browser. So do not install any browser extension that you absolutely, unless you absolutely need it and you've proven that like, hey, this is a known trusted entity. This is a business behind it. Uh, this is something that I, I, have, I have compelling reason to believe that I can trust. Because if you don't take that amount of scrutiny towards these, uh, towards these pieces of software, they, they have untold access to your personal information all your passwords, basically anything that you enter into a browser, anything that you view through a browser, whether that's your bank, whether that's your social media, whether that's like what, whatever else, your email, that is something that browser extensions can have access to. So please be very, very careful. Like, and and it's a, that, that, that meme of, oh my gosh, my mom installed 25 browsers that like, like, and the browser bar is 20 rows long. Like that very much is a sign of a fully compromised computer because those additions are are really questionable and uh here's a quick related tip so 
this point of auditing the extensions for your browser to make sure you're not giving away all of your permissions, that also applies to the apps you install on your phone. Yeah. Uh, the, the stereotypical example there is a flashlight app that wants to slurp up your contacts and your calendar yep. and your messages and all that. Yep. Yeah. So don't don't install those apps. Yeah, I I would I, I agree that they're in the same they're in the same kind of category. The the key distinction to me is on a phone, you're being given the list of, hey, we're gonna explicitly allow this program to have access to your contacts. So we're gonna explicitly allow this phone to have or this program access to the internet or to your photos or whatever. Browser extensions, it'll be like we're just we're they they have access to the frame and they can they can make it so it's sending your data to the wrong place. They can make it so that it's downloading stuff to your computer. They like the it's it's slightly more of a wild west because it's not as easily controlled when you're in a browser. That's that's true. I think Firefox does break permissions out into categories, but having said that, I don't think I've ever installed a browser plugin that does that does not request every permission yeah, possible yeah, yeah. in Firefox. And, and and once you have the ability, like like once you, because you know, honestly, to have a to have an extension that does something interesting, you probably need to either monitor the network traffic, like Privacy Badger, or you need to look at the HTML content. And and so once that's the permission that you've given, you have full out you, you can do just all sorts of nefarious stuff. Mm-hmm. This this next section, um, I'm really looking forward to because we we have it entitled as "Don't be a dummy online." Uh, oh, is that is that what is we that have what it titled? titled? To? Sorry, it's, it, that's what it says on my screen. Um, uh, okay, uh, you must you must have that PG plugin on your browser. <laughs> and this is so so yeah, picking the right browser, making sure that you don't have the wrong extensions. But then there's all the stuff that you do within a browser. Um, so let's let's just go through some of those that you should probably not be doing because you can very easily do the wrong thing. You have the right browser, you have the right extensions, you go to the wrong site, you do the wrong thing. And and now you're now you're in a bad position again. And I'll, I'll kick this off with actually one that just came to mind that we didn't have written down. Um, and that's going to be anytime that you use like sign in with Google or sign in with Facebook or sign in with whatever else. Typically, the way that this goes is you go, go to a website, you click sign in with Google, it redirects you to this Google page. And then it'll sit like, Google will be telling you, hey, this application is asking for access to these pieces of data in your account. And you usually don't even look at what it says and just say, whatever, sign me in. And that is another thing like here in the t- here in 2021, that is another thing that is is really onerous as a way to lose access to, to your sensitive, your, your personal information is, so this is what is called an OAuth grant. And in this authentication flow, you are now telling Google, hey, this piece of software over here is allowed to get access to, to, to access data in my account in this way. And it might just be, the, typically, if you're just doing the sign-in flow, all that party needs is access to your email address. That's basically like, hey, Google, when they ask for my information, just give them my email address. And that's and that's what they need to authenticate. As somebody that has built those authentication systems before, that's all you really need. I need a unique piece of information to identify the party that is authenticating. But in a lot of cases, you'll see that it's more than just the email address that they ask for. It might be date of birth and uh, you know, some other stuff, but it might be contact list. Um, I remember when I was doing an interview... For a security role, for a security role, I was asked to write some software 
And then I had to do an OAuth authentication into this piece of software, which asked for full administrative control of my GitHub account. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> was this for an interview? Yeah, this was for an interview. This is for me writing the code for the for the technical part of a security role. Um, yeah, that's bananas. In an interview process. Yeah. So, so it's was just... Was that the test? <laughs> well, Maybe I, that was the test. I, I contacted the recruiter and was like... Um, by the way, like I created a new GitHub account to to do this. Um, oh, oh, even better. Not only not only did it ask for administrative control of my account, it was going to gain access to all organizations that I had access to. Oh, yeah, geez, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so just to <laughs> just to put that in context, GitHub.com it's effectively the social media platform for software engineering. You put all of your code up there. You can have private repositories, which is like. I write my own code for my own personal use. I can put it up on GitHub and it'll be a private repository and only I have access to it. So this this login flow would have gotten access to all my private code. And because it's this kind of like social platform, I will have my personal GitHub account and I go to work for a company. That company has its own GitHub account. It puts all of its software under what's called an organization and then it provides you with access to that organization. So now me with my personal GitHub account has read access to all of the software that is being written by a given company. And so this authentication process was going to provide this coding platform with access to all of the internal code for every organization that I was a part of. So anytime that you click sign in with Google, sign in with Facebook, sign in with whatever, you should pay very close attention to the permissions that you are signing away because you are giving you are giving the application that you are signing into the ability to act on your behalf or get data on your behalf with the parameters uh, that are associated with uh, that authentication approach. And this is this is one of the top ways that your Google Drive is going to get compromised. Your personal email is going to get compromised. Uh, even even like if you sign in with Google into your browser, and you end up giving giving away the uh, giving away administrative rights to do this. They might even be able to install browser extensions onto your browser. So it is it will pay for you to be very attentive when you're doing these sign in with whatever flows. That that's my rant, yeah. Chris. Yeah, I think I think we're touching on a, a greater point here across um, the browser plugin security app security, single sign-on permissions. There, there are times when we're interacting with software and we don't really pay attention. Like yeah. when I'm installing something and I'm presented with, with a terms of service, I'm not going to read that. No one <laughs> reads those, right? But, but there are times, especially when it's related to giving away permissions where we do need to take an extra five, 10 seconds and make sure we're doing exactly what we want. So the next thing that we have is uh, Flash is officially dead, so you don't need to update that ever again. Uh, <laughs> so when you see those little pop-ups like Flash, and, and I'll go, I'll, I'll go more than just Flash. When you see those pop-ups that are like, "Hey, you need a Kodak to open up this file." Your browser's out of date. Your yeah, your browser's out of date, or uh, you know, this is uh, this is Microsoft. We're here to help you. Uh, and you need to install this driver. Uh, none of that is true. So, well, I mean, some of it might be true, but just pretend that none of it is true, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and you'll be safer for it. 
Uh, if you're if you're browsing an adult website, none of it's true. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. download anything. <laughs> none of none of the ads, none of the edit. Yeah, yeah. Just generally speaking, it works the same way as in just the real world. The seedier the place you're in, the more likely you're gonna get grifted. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's as true as those ads that say you know single women want to meet you nearby. Uh, that is also a lie. So don't click on that. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris, I feel personally attacked. (laughs) (laughs) There's, yeah, uh, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. To to that point of just like, um, you know, downloading anything and running it on your computer is uh, another really common way to get compromised. They're they're getting better with with protections around this and identifying stuff that's uh, that's malicious when you download it and stuff like that. But just just as a general rule of thumb. If you have any reason to question the validity of something that has been sent to you, whether it's I don't really know this person or it came from a weird email address or like the language was weird, that that's a good reason to be skeptical. You can reach out to that party and if you know who, who's actually doing this, be like, hey, did you mean to send this? Like, is this the right thing? Um, but just like any time that you are being influenced to download and run something on your computer, it is most likely... A scam, at least for me. Maybe, maybe that, yeah, it just, for me, no, no part of my <laughs> life is some other person trying to be like, hey, just download and run this thing. There's also, um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really thankful that I was only introduced to social media when I was like going to college and all of the stupid stuff that I did as like a teenager is lost in the ether um as opposed to kids now where it's like oh we had a baby i'm gonna make a facebook page for the baby and they're gonna oh, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, man if it is online especially now the likelihood that it is going away is really low right like it, it doesn't matter if you delete the post yeah that's, it's still online yep yep so just be careful right like you might have views today that change tomorrow you might be mad today. You'll feel better tomorrow. Whatever it is, what you are posting online will likely stick around uh, and it will likely be found out. Like, there's, there's, you should just be very, very careful with what you choose to share. Um, just because like, you know, you can say, oh, well, I just said it online. It's not really, you know, that's not really me. And it's like, eh, it's 2021. The difference between who you are in the real world and who you are online and, and which of those two personas is, is mo- more important um, continues, to, continues to change. Yeah, well, also, don't, uh, don't be posting your baby's photos up online or your kid's photos. You don't, you don't need to introduce them to that world of, uh, you know, lost privacy at such a young age uh, because really bad folks and I'm talking really bad folks will be able to leverage that in such a way that uh, it will be easier to target your kid. Um, and, and it is, it is something that in the world of um, human trafficking is being leveraged by human traffickers right now. Uh, and, it is pretty crazy to see parents that just post everything about their child online. It's just like, all right, I, I got it. Like you had a kid and you didn't know what you're doing with your life beforehand. 
And now this is your identity, right? And and that's usually where we see it is like parents that fall into that realm where their kid becomes their identity. And your kid has their own life that they're going to have to live post living with you. And if you are just adding to the digital footprint that they have online, it will hurt them more than it will ever help them. And that that is one thing like I'm very persistent about with my family members is like you can take photos of my kid, but you will not post any of them online. Yeah. And I consistently search for photos posted by family members that have, you know, my kid in there, like not just not going to happen. So that is that that is another thing is it, it's not just you being stupid online. It's you being stupid online that affects other people as well. Right. And and that's what you have to do is not just be careful about what you post um, about yourself. Be careful about what you're posting about your family. Right. Be careful about what information you're giving out there. Uh, be careful about when you first buy a house. Oh, my God. This is a pet peeve of mine. <clears throat> when you first buy a house. Don't post the pictures of the keys online in front <laughs> yep. of your house for oh. the love of God. Uh, there are people, uh, and I'm uh, I'm one of these people uh, because this, this is what I do. I do physical security items as well. Uh, they can decode your keys uh, through a picture. Um, they can do it either with software or depending on the key model, if you have a key like a Schleg uh, and that's what you have for your particular house, I just have to look at it. I don't need a picture. I can just look at it. And then I can make you a key a few seconds later. Uh, and and there are more and more sophisticated criminals that are utilizing those type of attacks. This is stuff that sent like crazy spy stuff, you know, five, ten years ago. But more and more people are now looking for pictures of people's houses online with their keys and stuff like that. I mean, there used to be a Twitter account that said, you know, I'm away from home. And it would post people that would say, I'm on vacation, blah, blah, blah. And they'd have like geolocation stuff on their other items. And it would really? say, this person's gone from their house from a week. And criminals would look at this and then break into that house while those people are gone on vacation. Like that was a real thing that happened. And, and it is happening again. But now instead of breaking into your house, they can just have a key to your house. Mm hmm. That's crazy. I didn't know it was that easy. Yeah. That uh so I've got two things to say on that. Um I will, two things and then a segue. And then I think we're 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 getting short on time, so we'll 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 finish it there. Um there's a bunch of great bots that do stuff like this. I know of one called uh Need a Credit Card, and it just retweets <laughs> pictures that people have posted of their credit cards. Um, on Twitter because somebody gets like a custom like thing on the front. So it's like, oh, look at my cool thing on the front of my credit card. And they just post a picture of their credit card online and then it gets stolen. Um, there's another Twitter bot that retweets drug deals from Venmo um, because people <laughs> are just like overtly categorizing their, their transactions on Venmo as being associated with drug deals. Um, and uh, <laughs> poor life decisions. Yeah. 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 And, and so the, the just this reminds me of this tool that you showed me once, um, Drew. And when I first saw it, I was like, <laughs> I think Drew's doing hard drugs. Uh, and it's basically um, 
it's an imprinting system where it's just something that can fit in his pocket, very small profile. It's a bit of uh, imprinting clay and then like a release agent. Uh, but all Drew, all Drew needs to manufacture a key is access to the key for like 10 seconds and then a bathroom where he can go take a spoon and a pellet of metal and a lighter and melt it and then pour it into the mold. And he doesn't even have to leave the premises and he has a metal copy of a key in like under five minutes. <laughs> Just, but I, when I saw him with a spoon and a lighter, I was like, ah, I, I don't know what's going All on good. here, Drew. Um, but okay, so so the last thing that I want to that I want to suggest that you do, and this is really, this isn't going to keep yourself safe, not not in and of itself, but it will be really eye opening. I think is so with the GDPR, the General Data Privacy Regulation. I think that's what it stands for. And then there's the CCPA, the California something privacy something. I don't know. I, I don't know what these acronyms are. I just know what they're. Uh, I just know what they're intended to do, and that's to enable you to have better control of your data uh, that these companies are just harvesting up. I recommend if you use Facebook, go request your data from Facebook. If you use Google, go request your data from Google. When you get this data back, I think, I think you'll be surprised at just how much they know about you. And just how personal their level of knowledge is. Like all these things that we keep talking about, of like with the privacy and, and security. And it's like, oh, do I, do I really care if, if ever somebody knows all this stuff about me? Like, I don't know. Maybe you don't. But maybe it's also because you don't really understand just how deeply this, this, this just intertwines into your life. Just how much they... Like I, I remember the, 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 like the canonical story is there was a lawsuit from a father against Target because Target was vending advertisements. And I think it was like a mailer to his daughter who was like a young teenager for pregnancy vitamins, right? So, Target is sending directed advertisements to this girl. I think she was like 13 or 14 at the time, advertising pregnancy supplements. And so, the dad gets really pissed. Um, and what the dad didn't know is his daughter was pregnant. And Target knew his daughter was pregnant. That's the level of perverse, like, tentacles into your life that we're talking about here. That's so creepy. Right? Yeah. So, so, so creepy. Please, go to Facebook. Just, just search for Facebook, download my data, Google, download my data, request your data. And when you get it, take a look. And that will give you a much more explicit understanding of just how much these companies know about you. So then when you're thinking, do I really care about my privacy? Should I really be using this tool? Should I really be not using this browser? Uh, you'll at least have a baseline of comparison to know what exactly you're up against. And there's so much more with this that we just don't have time to cover in this episode, right? I mean, there's physical security items. There's other items, you know, using Signal, which we've talked about, or other messaging, privacy apps. Um, and we could just go on this forever. Unfortunately, in today's world, there is a lot that you have to know about protecting yourself, not just online, but in person and phys in physical situations as well. And we'll probably do another episode if if the users, you know, that are listening want to want to learn more about this, about other items dealing with protecting yourself and, and personal security and, and bettering your privacy, both in the uh, digital and physical worlds. But this, this episode was a snapshot of some of the most critical items that a lot of people 
just forget. Or when we when we get asked, hey, wh- what do I need to do? Uh, now we have something we can point to them without having to repeat the same lines over and over again. We hope you gain something from this and you start implementing some of these items if you're already not implementing them. I, we can't urge you enough to really take action on what is said on this episode because it will help protect you and anyone else you share this with and share it with other people. Make sure that they can be transacting in today's world in a secure manner because it's extremely important. And everyone I'm sure has experienced some form of fraud that's happened against them, whether it be credit card fraud or account theft or something like that. And these simple tricks will just make that make you a harder target. And that's what you want to do. There is no such thing as perfect security or perfect privacy uh, right now. Uh, All there is is making you a harder target so that the attackers move on to the next person. For for a bit more context there, too, I think we got through roughly like half (laughs) half the points that we wanted to. So so we're definitely going to have to throw a second uh, throw a second episode together on the same topic of just what are the what are the easy low effort, big return things that you can do to, to be in a better position. The three takeaways for today's show are, one, if nothing else, start using a password manager and multi-factor authentication. It really will make a huge difference. Two, the browser is a really risky place. Be careful what you do there with the plugins you install and the things that you download and run. And three, request your data from big social media companies to learn more about how deeply their invasion of your privacy runs. There's no such thing as perfect security, and even if you follow everything we've shared here, there's still the risk that something bad could happen. That risk, though, will be far less as a result of taking these precautionary steps. And in the event that something bad does happen, it's likely that the impact will be significantly reduced too. And that, in the world of security, is what we call success. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Security Explained. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for new topics that our audience finds interesting, and you might be able to pick our next show. Feel free to reach out via social media or give us a rating on your listening platform to let us know how we're doing. You can find us on the web at securityexplained.fm or on Twitter at SecExplained. Thanks again, and until next time, stay safe. Stay safe.